This is episode 247 of the AWS podcast, released on June 10th, 2018. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Sam Lisha here with you. Welcome back, and I'm joined in person by a very special guest. I'm joined by Ed Lima, who's a solutions architect here at Amazon Web Services. Welcome, Ed. Thank you very much, Simon. Uh, glad to be here. Very exciting. I'm usually on the other side <laughs> listening, so it's, it's great to be here actually uh, yeah, talking so a little bit to the, to, uh, to the listeners. This episode will freak you out when you listen to it. Because everyone hates the sound of their own voice. <laughs> so this uh, episode, we're going pretty deep into a topic that I know you're very passionate about and that I certainly have enjoyed watching our customers use, which is a service called AWS AppSync. Uh, not the kitchen sink, AppSync. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there are many, many, many things that this technology can be turned itself to. But before we dive into that, I think we probably should talk about what is AWS AppSync, uh, some of the technology it's built with, which is relevant, and then we'll get into some details. So straps yourselves in. We're going to go all around the, the place for this one. But let's start maybe with what AWS AppSync is and some of the foundational technologies. Sure, yeah. Uh, so basically, in a nutshell, AWS AppSync is our managed serverless GraphQL service. So basically generates a GraphQL API where you can uh, access uh, specific backends uh, and data sources on your AWS account. And also provide some very nifty capabilities, such as real time and offline capabilities. So AppSync is based on GraphQL. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's start with what that is. Yes, let's, let's sure. mystify that one. Sure. Uh, well, GraphQL is a, I like to put it is a, a new philosophy on APIs on API backends, uh, basically. So it's a optimized way of uh, querying data from an API. Uh, as as you, if you think about uh, what you have as a golden golden standard is REST and REST is being around for twenty years, still a very good technology and there are lots of uh, good uh, architectural patterns and use cases for for REST. GraphQL comes to solve some of the limitations and problems uh, for some specific use cases. So first of all, you can get uh, data simultaneously from different data sources if one network call. Uh, whereas with uh, REST, sometimes you have to make multiple calls and you're overfetching, underfetching data. And with GraphQL, it's very optimized in that sense. It's also quite flexible in terms of the definition of the uh, the call patterns, I guess. If you think about it, a RESTful interface, we're very much, you know, you spend a lot of time designing and structuring what those hierarchies are, what the data is going to be going backwards and forwards, whereas GraphQL is very much uh, kind of assumes that model and says, hey, just uh, true. do what you like. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Within within reason. Very true, yeah. Uh, so if for us, you have to create different endpoints for different use cases and start uh, uh, adding more endpoints and it gets really hard to manage and, and to configure it. So uh, the ma- uh, one of the big advantages of GraphQL, we have one endpoint and you have a schema behind that endpoint that you define your data. And that gives lots of flexibility. Uh, and basically, the schema has some smart to it where it can create relations between uh, specific uh, data sources and it can create built-in things like pagination and ordering on, and, and uh, also uh, real-time notifications, which uh, is very, very handy. Yeah, so, so this, as you said, suits some <coughs> very specific use cases that we'll get into shortly. But I think one of the things to, to bear in mind is this is something that works with iOS, with Android, uh, JavaScript, React Native, etc. So it's kind of designed for that very modern mobile experience. 
Uh, that's right. I would say, uh, so in my opinion now, uh, mobile and, and web are blending. Mm. So uh, uh, basically you can use AppSync with web frontends, with mobile frontends. Uh, so basically uh, providing that access to the data and improving the user experience. And I think that's what it comes to. So let's get into some details about AWS AppSync and kind of sure. what, from a developer standpoint you get, what's it bringing to the table? Uh, you create a GraphQL schema, which is uh, basically compliant with the open source spec. Uh, and you can link that schema with data sources. We currently support AWS Lambda, which is our serverless compute service. Uh, we support DynamoDB, which is our also serverless NoSQL database. And we support uh, Amazon Elasticsearch, which is our managed Elasticsearch service. So basically, you can create a full end-to-end uh, managed API where you don't have to worry about the undifferentiated heavy lifting of installing, configuring, patching, maintaining uh, servers. And uh, it gets you up and running really quick uh, in building your API. So that means you've got quite a rich set of data sources in that you've got your, your NoSQL style data in Domain. That's right. You've got a far more rich, I guess, searchable corpus of information in, in one or more Elasticsearch clusters. And then Lambda kind of gives you the Swiss Army knife of, well, anything that's, else I need to get to, if I can get to Lambda, I can go from there. That's exactly it, yeah. And basically, with Lambda, you can use it as a proxy to any other AWS service. Mm -hmm. And so what about from a security perspective? We're talking about you know, mobile devices, lots and lots of yeah. public users. Um, having access to all this data is great until yeah. it's not with the people you want it to be with. Um, what's, what's that like? Yeah, so... Uh, as you know, at AWS, uh, security is, uh, is high priority in everything that we do. Uh, and AppSync is no different. Uh, we have uh, different uh, sets of security mechanisms to authenticate and authorize your API calls. Uh, we support, of course, uh, identity access and management. Uh, we support cognito user pools, mm -hmm. where you can basically onboard your users and authenticate uh, those users to access your API. And you support API keys. Uh, also, a, a, a recent uh, new feature we released that you can uh, integrate with any OpenID Connect uh, identity provider. So okay. uh, it doesn't need to be cognito if you don't want to. It's very flexible in that sense. That's great. So you can use you can use Cognito as an example to yeah. authenticate who can access what. Um, you can have very fine grained permissions on the GraphQL operations themselves as well. So it's not that's open right season. It's actually very very that's uh, right refined down. And yeah, that's a very good point with the the fine grained access control. Uh, you can basically define access to groups from your Cognito user pool, and you can have groups having specific access to specific data sources. Uh, it is actually very flexible. Now, a big part of this whole space is the real-time aspect. Or it's actually, sorry, it's, it's, it's kind of two conflicting requirements. It's yeah. on the one time, real-time updates of data that you're looking at, but then the fact that if you're mobile, you could be disconnected at any time. Yes. Talk us through the, those two sides of the coin. Uh, yeah, so AppSync provides a really interesting uh, real-time capabilities. Uh, I was actually watching a, a session from a colleague. He was presenting at the London Summit, and he asked the audience and who had built uh, WebSockets 
on AWS and if they had fun doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, they had a big laugh on it. So yeah, it, it has, it, it's not fun to build real time uh, on AWS. You have to worry about lots of things and create uh, clusters and, and fleets of servers to deal with web sockets. Uh, so the great thing about AppSync, it's all built in there for you and it's all managed for you. WebSocket connections that provide real-time communication back to your, your front-end and your client, be it a mobile client or a web client. Uh, and it also uses uh, GraphQL subscriptions to uh, basically uh, reach uh, multiple clients at the same time that are subscribed to a certain, what you call, GraphQL mut mutation. We also have offline capabilities. So uh, AppSync provides uh, offline capabilities depending on the client that you're using. And it synchronizes as well uh, as soon as the client's reconnected. So lots of things that you don't have to worry about. And all the, it's interesting, all those things you, you just spoke about are super non-trivial things to build. Like doing offline synchronization is an absolute nightmare if you ever tried to build it yourself before. It's like that's right. Yeah. Welcome to the world of corner cases yes. <laughs> and all sorts of unpredictability. This is this is the classic undifferentiated heavy lifting that's that is right. done for you. Yeah. And another nice thing I think is really interesting from a developer standpoint is that when you're using something like GraphQL through AWS AppSync, um, you don't need to really understand your backend in as strict a way as you used to, and the changes can be made to the backend, and you can still subscribe in a more flexible way. That's right. Yeah. So one of the the mantras of GraphQL is to uh, give power to the client. So the client decides what data it needs, and it also only get the data it needs when it needs it. Uh, so uh, basically, no underfetching and no overfetching of data. Uh, so optimizing network connections and um, providing also a better user experience in that sense. And you recently uh, actually wrote a blog covering some of this uh, and exploring a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So I've been working uh, since the release. Uh, we've been approached, me and a colleague from the US, a, a great developer as well. So we've been working on this uh, starter application. It is a chat application, which is uh, we, we, we thought it would be a great way to showcase real-time and offline capabilities, basically a chat application from different clients uh, using AppSync. So we worked on that for a couple of months, and uh, I think back in March we released a blog post that basically has uh, the whole. Uh, we explain the application, and also we have a GitHub repository where you can install on your own AWS account with about five minutes. Great thing to have a uh, cloud formation support on AppSync, so it makes it really easy to deploy and test and try yourself. Mm -hmm. And what would some advice be? We'll link to that in the show notes. But what would your advice be to a, a developer who's listening and and thinking this sounds interesting what's the, the sort of one shortcut they could use to get going from a, a mental model perspective or just to kind of prepare themselves yeah. for this experience versus maybe what we're used to using uh, well I think one on, on of the challenges of GraphQL is uh, there is a little learning curve mm -hmm. when compared to REST again REST is a golden standard it's pretty much automatic for well, developers familiar with it, so yes yeah, everyone is familiar to it uh, it's very easy to use an HTTP client to make REST calls uh, Whereas with uh, AppSync, you have to actually use a GraphQL client. Uh, 
uh, you, you need to send your data in a specific way and you need to know uh, your your uh, how to build a GraphQL schema. With AppSync, we're trying to make lots of those things easier. easier. For instance, we can, if you don't know anything about GraphQL schemas, you can basically point AppSync to a Dyna DynamoDB table and it builds a schema for you based on the attributes. Mm -hmm. So that makes it really easy to get started. So I think one of the challenges is, is that, that little, uh, and when it's not big, it's a little learning curve just to get used to the concepts. And I definitely suggest you start small and try and use one of the awesome, um, awesome started apps. It doesn't need to be my chat app, but you have uh, mm -hmm. about five or six uh, uh, started apps on, on the AppSync resources page, page and, it gets, uh, and it gives you a great idea on how to get started. That's fantastic, and um, it's it's interesting the types of applications that are, this sort of technology fits. So, for example, gaming apps with real time scoreboards is one. News feeds, customer service dashboard, shared wallet or itinerary type stuff. That's right. Uh, dating apps is a popular one, as, as you mentioned. Um, <laughs> collaboration, three right. D collaboration, uh, chat. Uh, Anything with multi devices as well. It's really it's that yeah. type of space, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Uh, and uh, I think the mantra from the service team is basically make it easy for uh, developers to uh, to uh, get started. So it provides a great experience uh, on the console. So you can try and test. There is an ID on the console where you can basically prototype your your GraphQL API and start testing in, in about five minutes. Uh, so trying to remove those uh, those blockers yeah. that people uh, usually have when when trying to get started with uh, with GraphQL, and particularly I guess anything anything as a developer when you're starting with something new, you kind of feel like you spend the entire morning just setting your environment up. That's to right. To be ready for it, or you realize there's this dependency missing or that's missing, and. and that really worked right. hard to try and make that developer yeah. experience a lot nicer. That's right. Yeah, if you think about it, before uh, AppSync, uh, I don't know if you wanted to to uh, use GraphQL on AWS, you had to install a server, and then oh, maybe I want to add some real time capabilities to my server, so I have to install a WebSockets cluster, a PubSub server cluster, and think about deployment, patching, monitoring, and all of that. So that all of that uh, before you can start developing itself. So now we just uh, condense that to really about five minutes yeah. when you can have a GraphQL API ready to go to connect your front end to. And, and I really quite like that that ability to kind of work backwards from the DynamoDB schema because if you're familiar yeah. with DynamoDB, it's pretty easy to build a few tables. And that's then right. You kind of track backwards and that's right. Go yeah. that way, which is nice. So a few uh, a few important details. So um, in terms of uh, where you can use AWS AppSync, it's available in US East North Virginia, US West Oregon, US East Ohio, EU Ireland, Asia, Asia Pacific Tokyo, and Asia Pacific Sydney region. So lots of regions there. Yeah, we actually recently released to Mumbai and Singapore. Uh, and I think there is another region in the in Europe that I don't actually recall. So uh, the service check team, your console. yeah, check <laughs> your console. Yeah, uh, that's the thing with AppSync. The service team is releasing uh, new features every couple of weeks. It's been hard to to catch up with, but it's also great because you always have some some new very handy features to to use on your on your application. Exactly. And we'll talk a bit about pricing. So pricing is broken up into two main components. First is the query and data modification operations component. That's where you fetch data from your app and cache it locally. Uh, it lets you 
create, update, and delete data. And so that's $4 per million query and data modification operations. So that's quite a lot for not a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then the real-time updates as well. So if you're syncing, it's $2 per million real-time updates and $0.08 cents per million minutes, that's million minutes, of connection yeah. to the service. So um, it's not a big number. Uh, the other nice thing that I'll mention is, is uh, you do get access to a free tier for 12 months after you sign up for an AWS account. And the free tier includes 250,000 query or data modification operations, 250,000 real-time updates, and 600,000 connection minutes. So I'm guessing that would cover us for your demo. Definitely, yes. <laughs> you wouldn't have to pay anything for that. <laughs> and it's completely serverless. The other thing to think about when you, when you think about the, the number of API calls, right? Uh, when you compare with REST backend, for REST backend, you have to make lots lot more API calls, whereas with uh, GraphQL, uh, instead of making five or six API calls, you can do the same, basically making one API call to GraphQL. And you're, you're already saving lots on, on there as well and compared to a REST API. API model. That's true. And that's important, yeah. obviously, if you're going over low bandwidth networks and yes. inconsistent networks, you don't want to be making five calls to get a successful transaction if you can make one. That's exactly it, yeah. Oh, very, very good. Ed, thanks so much for coming on and sharing that with us today. Uh, it was absolute a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. And a, a few other tips for people who are listening to the podcast. So um, obviously reInvent is back uh, towards the end of the year, so start keeping an eye for that uh, if you want to get across to uh, see lots and lots of interesting talks and meet lots of interesting people. It's definitely something, if you've never gone before, you should put it on your technical bucket list. It's a, a great experience. But if you can't get there, there's also another great resource I wanted to, to mention, which is the AWS Online Tech Talks. And these cover a whole raft of different topics in webinar format and are available on demand as well. Things like best practices for running Amazon EC2 spot instances with EMR. Uh, lots of other choices, things like how to automate for efficiency with Amazon Transcribe and Translate, or an intro to open source databases on AWS. Lots and lots of different topics to pick from. So if you want to check that out, you can check that out at aws.amazon.com forward slash tech talks. And that's a great repository of information to have a look at there as well. And as always, we do love to get your feedback, podcast at amazon.com. Tell others that the podcast is out there. We've seen a, a significant uptick in people listening, which is great. We do love to know that people are enjoying the podcast and are getting benefit from it. And until next time, keep on building.